Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This production is meant to provide you meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not. Today on Job Seekers Radio, we cover the nine mistakes to avoid when you're interviewing. Yeah, this is a favorite topic for us. We talk to people all the time about interviewing skills. There are classes probably at every every employment development office in the country. There are many resources to practice. And yet, we find that it is probably a hidden talent market for those who truly interview well. And I'm not talking about those who, quote, interview well and then turn out to be something else once they they get on the job. We're just talking about having a good interviewing conversation. So the first mistake to avoid actually is not doing any research on the company or the people you're about to meet. Right. I, I can't tell you how many people have come in when I've been interviewing to hire, they come in thinking that their skills will speak for themselves and they haven't done the research. I pick up on it right away and most people do. I'm not I'm not special here. Well, wait a minute, Scott. Didn't you read my resume? Yes, I probably <laughs> did, which is why you're here today. But if you haven't shown enough interest in my company to actually know what to talk about, it's going to show right away. And that can be a very quick disqualifier. And it's a small investment of your time. To overlook this is just nonsensical. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. We have the internet yeah. these days. And most companies have an internet presence. Now, maybe they're not really good. If you're with a, a small company, maybe they haven't done something that, that is really friendly on your phone. But they still probably have a website. You can find out something about them. Just doing a Google search. Glassdoor. I mean, yeah. just go to Glassdoor. Seriously. I'd be so surprised if there wasn't a whole bunch of stuff on Glassdoor that you could learn about that company right now. It is a simple mistake that simply should not happen. And in full disclosure, I've done that. And I realize once I walk in, I don't have enough information. And I can't blame them when they don't call me back. Yeah. Because I didn't show enough caring to do that research. There's no excuse. Well, I mean, whatever the motivation is, it could be that you don't want the position, but they invited you for an interview anyway. Yeah, I would still. Just because now my professional credibility is on the line. Of course. We'll get to excuses in a moment. But the next mistake to avoid is not prepared for the standard questions that you know everybody's going to ask. Right. I would say nine interviews out of ten have five or six very basic questions. Things like, tell me about yourself. What should we know about you? That really doesn't have, a, well, it has as many meanings or, or purposes as it does people who ask. They want the conversation to start. They want to know a little bit about you and they want to know why they should listen to you beyond the your answer. Be prepared with something. They want to know that you've done your homework and that, that you've probably practiced something before before you got there. And they're not practicing these questions. So the thing is, you can practice your answers right. over and over again. And they'll get different answers from every applicant. Yeah. The more prepared you are, the better off you're going to sound and the more you can impress them. 
if impressing them is what you're going for. And just saying, yeah, I can do that, that is not an answer to an interview question. Again, (laughs) the standard questions are trying to find out about what is your thinking process? How do you speak to people? Have you done your homework, both about the company and about the job? If you know something about me on a professional level, as if my reputation has preceded me, that will make me feel good as well. But that's going to take some effort on your part. Mm. So you want to be able to answer these questions in ways that actually resonate with them. And the chances are pretty good that if you can find out about their company values, you will figure out a way to answer them to respond to those values. That's right. That brings us to the third mistake to avoid, which is assuming you are good enough. And this comes from a mindset of superiority. Right. And we're not talking about, oh, I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and I can make people happy. You know, I'm not Stuart Smalley. We're talking about that lack of effort that goes into it. Oh, I've done so many interviews. I can wing it and be fine. The chances are pretty good that you may not do as well as you think. And it's not likely that you're going to make it to the Super Bowl just winging it. Right. Just saying, oh, I'm good enough. Those teams never make it to the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, Seriously, it it takes practice. It takes experience. The more interviews you go on, the better you get at it. But it's not just because you've been on a lot. It's because you've been making the effort. I tell you, uh, when I was a a performer in my youth, I could remember what my, my vocal coach was telling me. So when I was singing, I could do it again. And finally, when I was in college, I had a, a vocal coach who could tell when I hadn't practiced. And she nailed me on this. I was ashamed of myself, but finally somebody said, no, you don't get away with this. The same thing is true in interviewing. If you're not really making the effort to improve, you're not going to improve. And people are going to know it. It's not like you can hide it. You may think you're good enough, but when you go in and you give it a mail-in performance, they're going to say, thanks, but no thanks. And you're going to wonder, huh, I wonder why they didn't pick me. And, and you hit it right there. We're not talking about nervousness, although we'll talk about that in a second. Everybody gets nervous before these things, and that's to be expected, and it's forgiven. This is more the idea that when you haven't done your part, it becomes obvious you're phoning it in. If you're phoning it in, you're probably going to phone it in on the job, too. Mm. I don't think I'm going to hire that. And it's going to translate in your nonverbals. Yeah. Right? You'll be disinterested. You won't be looking people in the eye. Right. It's just it's not good. Prepare like it's the Super Bowl. Right. Really. And Every if you're interview. not interested in that position, you really aren't. If you're going to walk in and it's obvious you're disinterested, now you're wasting their time. I've had one person years ago suggest that going into an interview for which you don't, you know you don't want the job, you just want to practice, that's theft. You're stealing time that they can't get back. Don't do it. It's just not respectful. I I agree with that 100%. So that brings us to the next mistake to avoid, and that's not having any questions prepared to ask the hiring team. And this is something that is so easy to do. And there's got to be something you want to know about them, the company, the position, uh, the environment, whatever it might be. There's got to be something you want to know or have an answer to. And if you need advice on what kinds of questions to write, there are going to be a lot of people out there who can help you. The ones that come to my mind first are, can you tell me what a day in the life of this position looks like? That is an open-ended question that elicits a, a thoughtful response. They may not be prepared for that, so it may take them a minute to think about it, and they're probably going to be more honest about it as a result. It's questions like that. What does this, what does success look like for this role? 
how would you describe the person who left this position and what they did well and what you'd like to see them do differently? These are all things that make them understand that you've thought about this. That's the message you want to send. Yeah, so having those questions there written down demonstrates professionalism, right. that you're prepared for that. And when they ask, you have something to give them. I can't tell you how many times people get to the end of the interview, even though they maybe wrote down some questions, they didn't write down enough because they got all their questions answered. Yep. And they're still like, uh. The thing is that you are interviewing the company. It's really important that you're prepared to interview them as well. Uh, one of the nicest things somebody said to me was when they said, oh, well, it feels like you're interviewing me. It surprised me when she said that, but I told her, I am. I am. Because this has got to be a win-win. It's all about fit. Yeah. It's all about the fit. That brings us to the next mistake to avoid. Not knowing anyone on the inside or, or ha having a lack of an internal champion. There are a lot of times we'll see jobs posted at companies that we've been interested in, but we haven't been able to network our way into the organization. That's not completely avoidable. With that said, there are ways for us to find people with similar backgrounds or similar education, and we can find this on LinkedIn. There's usually some commonality somewhere, one person or two people that we know that have a connection somehow. Work that as best you can. Try and get some kind of commonality established before you walk into an interview. Before you even apply right. would be even better. The, the farther up the uh, a chain of influence that you can go before there's a posted position doesn't make it feel like you're doing it for nefarious circumstances, sure. right? Or, or that you're self-interested. And this comes back to the research. Hopefully anyone listening to this podcast is going to know that the ideas that we champion is to do your research, to look into companies that interest you for whatever reason. Know what that reason is. Do research. Find out the people who work there, the people that you know who know people who work there, the jobs, the values that they have, the things that they do both professionally and what they do for their community. All of this is a way to find ways to network into the organization. And you're at a distinct advantage when you do that well in advance of any posted position. So that leads us to our next mistake. When interviewing, you want to avoid forgetting to follow up. If you haven't sent a thank you note after an interview, shame on you. If you have any kind of networking opportunity with someone in or adjacent to the organization, follow up with that person. Whether they have introduced you to somebody else, follow up, include them in the follow up with the person they introduce you to. If there's any questions that have been answered, follow up with the answer because that shows that once you're in the job, you'll probably follow up then too. And that's going to be a keystone to their experience with you. And it's going to differentiate you. So many it people, will. I mean, if you're not doing it, guess what? Most of the other people aren't doing it either. Make sure that, and I'm kind of old school this way, I write a handwritten thank you note yep. in addition to an email. And then I am very clear about the next step. I might be wrong about the next step, but I'm if I if they don't give me a next step, I'm going to tell them what it is. Right. Maybe I'm just proactive that way, right? I feel like the next step is a conversation with a VP or put just putting together the offer right. or doing a background check or checking references, whatever that is. 
Give them something. I, I agree. I think if we're talking about differentiating ourselves, having a handwritten note is a really good way to do it. One best practice that I encourage people to use is to have those thank you notes in the envelope obviously not written out yet, in the envelope, in the portfolio you take in with your written questions. Because when the, the interview is finished, I can go into that company lobby, or maybe I go out to the car, but preferably in the building, I'm going to write that thank you right now. I will reference the things that I talked about in the interview, thank them again, and then before I leave the building, give that to the person at the front desk to say, will you please forward this to so-and-so. If I haven't had the sense to get their business card, at least I should remember their first name. The receptionist is going to know who you just visited if they have a receptionist. Here's your opportunity to knock it out of the park, but you have to plan ahead. Take it with you. It's not. Yes, it doesn't take up point. that much space. No. You know, four or five uh, pre-written cards with an address or something on it. Yeah. It doesn't, it takes like two minutes. But it will set you apart from the, the all the other applicants who haven't done that. And it's virtually immediate. That can be impressive to a lot of people that right. don't get physical mail anymore. Follow-up is the most important step. Without a doubt. That brings us to the next mistake to avoid, and that is a lack of self-awareness of your transferable skills. Meaning becoming the solution to the problem they want solved. And having that kind of awareness of who you are, the strengths you bring to the table, and how you can help them is really gonna differentiate you from other applicants. In a previous podcast, we were giving some answers to people questioning, you know, how do I handle a resume that shows job hopping? It's the confidence that people are going to remember far more than the jobs that you've had in your past. So if you know the skills that you have, that you've been able to practice at all these other jobs that you've had, knowing about how it applies to the job you're applying for is going to be how they then take it in. Oh, well, this person has a transferable skill that would apply in this way. They're not going to tease that out of you. They want you to know that. Be prepared with that information walking in. They're not going to lay out a red carpet for you. You know, you have to know these things about right. yourself and you have to prepare a response to every potential question they're going to ask you about your skills as it relates to the company. And that's a really good point. Let's say they throw a curveball at you. Here comes a pitch that you just weren't expecting that question. It's okay to think about it. It's going to feel a lot longer of a pause than it really is. Give it some thought and give a, a thoughtful answer as you go. And let's say you don't answer the way you want. Start over. They're going to appreciate that you are confident enough to say, you know, this is, I'm not saying what I mean. Let me restart this. And it's that moment of humility that they're actually going to appreciate because they've been there. They know what it's like to interview. Mm -hmm. They're just on the other side of the coin now. You've got to have that sense of awareness of what you bring to the table, the value that you can add to what they're already doing. When you can articulate that, that brings the confidence that you need to help them connect the dots. If you don't know this or you're not confident on it, practice it. That brings us to our next mistake to avoid, and that's relying too heavily on nervousness. I would call this more like excuse-itis. Right. Is it, relying on some excuse that you can't answer a question because... Oh, gee, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Or, oh, uh, I never had that question before. Or, you know, I, I was up late last night with my kids and I didn't get any sleep. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. 
Nobody wants an excuse. Now, with that said, there are reasons. Yes, I'm nervous. That's a reason that I'm not speaking as eloquently as I might otherwise. They know you're nervous. If you're not nervous, maybe there's something else that's wrong. Really relying on my excuses, my crutches, really makes me look bad. Because if you're going to do that in the interview, are you going to rely on your excuses in the workplace? This is a disqualifier. If you're nervous, but you're trying, and it's obvious you're trying, that speaks well of you. If you come back to, oh, well, I'm not answering this well because I'm nervous. Okay, well, how do we help you? If you're going to rely on your crutches, I can't help you. That's a sign of somebody who's either not prepared, inexperienced, or whatever, and you're right, it is a disqualifier, but the way you mitigate that is by preparing like crazy for any potential question. Maybe even doing a mock interview. With with a live human being. Yes, I highly recommend practicing your interviewing skills with someone who is is either experienced at interviewing as an applicant or someone who is experienced interviewing other people as a hiring manager or as a recruiter. There are recruiters out there who will be happy to help you by doing this. you, You just have to ask. Avoid excuses. Please. Always look for solutions and always overlap your skills to what problem you think you can solve for them. So that brings us to our next mistake to avoid when interviewing, and that is not checking your appearance. So often we hear from people who complain that there's too much importance placed on how I look. Well, there is good reason why most beings whether it's human or otherwise, care about the way the other individual looks. There's the typical friend or foe question, right? It's instinctual. So when you see someone who looks like you who or who looks like you want to get to know them, you're going to build interest. On the other side, if you're not coming up with an appearance that is appropriate to the conversation you're going to have, that now is taking their attention. Personally, the way I view it is I don't want anything about my appearance to be the first thing we talk about. I don't even want my appearance to come up in the conversation unless it's, wow, you dress really well. That I'll take. Beyond that, I don't want my appearance to be a part of the conversation at all. So you have to be mindful of what the other person is expecting. And that opens the door pretty wide. Well, and this is something you can ask of the HR person that's scheduling an interview. Sure. You know, what sort of... um, What's the appropriate attire? Yeah. Yeah. What what is the standard? Oh, business casual. Okay, business casual. Define that. that. Yeah, define that for me because business casual at Nike is much different than business casual at at Arthur Anderson or Accenture. Maybe I'm dating myself, but I grew up with the idea that business casual is the same thing as business, only without the tie. In some instances, business casual is jeans and sneakers and maybe a blazer. In others, it's dress pants and dress shoes, but no blazer. So find out from the person who is scheduling the interview what the appropriate attire would be. If it's a networking event, that takes on a, a less formal attitude. You can be a little a little more fluid with that, but when it comes to the interview, find out what the expectation is and meet it plus one. I'm always the type to be early for an interview because it gives me a chance to make sure I get to the right place, right? right? Check my fly, yep. you know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, but going into the restroom, Going to the bathroom if you have to, because when you're nervous, right, your stuff's working a little bit faster than it should. So not uncommon that you have to go to the restroom. So you get there early, you go to the restroom, and then you check the mirror. 
And while you are moving through the building, you can check the appearance of other people in the office. And I generally, when I say meet the expectation plus one, that means that I want to be slightly dressed better than I need to be. One, because there's a, an element of self-respect. If I respect myself enough that I want to put my best foot forward, that shows. Also, if you give yourself enough time and you see that you're coming in, the, the person says business attire, but maybe I brought a tie anyway, and I'm seeing other people who clearly work here and they're in ties, I'm gonna put that tie on. If, on the other side, they'd say business casual, but I'm gonna wear a tie to impress and I don't see another tie in the building, I I'm should probably take, take my tie, tie off yeah. so that I fit in because again, they wanna see me fit in. Well, there no, there's nothing that says that when you get into the interview room, that you can't take off your blazer and drape it over the back of your chair. Sure. Whatever that looks like. Right. Especially if the interviewer does the same thing. Yeah. Now you are mirroring their behavior, which is a different topic, which I think we've touched on in other podcasts. Yeah. But that may be a topic that we, we address in greater detail. But there are ways for you to fit in when it matters. And in the interview, it matters. And well, don't forget your nose. By that, I mean, you should probably understand what odors you're presenting to somebody. So I know people that smoke. What you might want to do is make sure that your, your clothes are dry cleaned and don't smoke right before the interview. Right. And wash your hands. If you do smoke, make sure that your, your hands are clean. Well, I'll do that you anyway. Know, but yeah. Take a breath mint, you know, smell your pits, whatever it takes. Whatever just, it is. Just right. make sure there's no odors there because that is part of your appearance. And on the other side, please don't wear a lot of perfume or cologne. Some people are really sensitive to that. And if it if it's your luck that someone who reacts really strongly to heavy cologne is the one doing the interview, you can actually end the interview faster and not in a good way by because they can't wait to get out of the axe. Yeah. Right. Be if you're going to wear any fragrance at all, make sure it's light and lightweight. Brush it. Don't do it right before you go in there. Yeah. I generally, I, I, I do like to wear a fragrance, but I put it on the skin under my clothes so yeah. it gets uh, filtered. And there is there are some of them out there that are so strong that they still come on strongly outside the clothes. So I don't wear those to interviews. I wear those when I'm going out to special events when I know I'm going to be outside. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. The nine mistakes to avoid when interviewing. We'll have show notes available to you. There are resources there. And to find them, go to jobseekersradio.com forward slash zero four zero. We also have a free resource for you. It's called The Anatomy of a Networking Conversation. It's an ebook that Scott and I have put together to help you implement some of the ideas we're talking about here. We hope you find value in that. In the meantime, thank you for joining us for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. Your investment of time and your attention are truly appreciated. Head on over to iTunes. There's a link at the top of the show notes to do that. It'll allow you to subscribe to get future episodes and you can actually leave us a rate and review there. We'd really appreciate the feedback because we want to make this a better product for you and the other people that find this resource because you share it with them. Yes, please do, and thank you in advance for doing so. My name is Scott. And I'm Andrew. Thank you so much. Until next time, prior preparation prevents poor performance. Bye-bye now. <laughs>